Aloha, and welcome to The Creative Life, a collaborative production between ThinkTech Hawaii and the American Creativity Association. I'm Darlene Boyd, your host, and joining me today is our guest from Rancho Mission Viejo is Kelly Oto. And Kelly is going to continue to talk with us today about international education and some things that are very personal to her in terms of the risk taking that she has taken in this field. Um, we'd like to start out by clarifying some of the concepts we're going to talk about. And on the creative life, we attempt to bring you stories about people that are creative, living creatively in their lives, and also what create creativity means to our guest and to the world in general. So there are many definitions of creativity, and the one that fits us best today is, is one that is not often referred to, but one that uh, many of us in the American Creativity Association refer to us to often. And that is that many people in dealing with creativity make the assumption that the idea just comes out of somewhere and it's that aha moment. Well, that's not always the case. There are many researchers that would tell us that we're accruing ideas and input for those ideas since the moment that we're born. And, in fact, Mara Stein refers to them, Kelly, as endocepts. And then as we accrue them, we, we form an idea. So when we take a concept in this, in this definition that we enjoy in creativity, uh, it, doesn't, it means that we will look at something that already exists and break it down in relative parts and then bring it together by reconceptualizing that idea and its parts into a new idea. And that's what we'll be talking about when we talk to Kelly and start out by asking you, Kelly, you were working in international education for many years. You're recognized as an expert in your field. And in addition to your expertise, you're also very trustworthy. But in addition to that, you have taken on the role as CEO of your own company, Unitas. Tell us what that means. Tell us a little bit about Unitas and why you selected that as the title for your company. Well, thank you, Darlene. It's really a pleasure to be here with you. I worked for 25 years in international education at the University of California, Irvine, specifically uh, the Division of Continuing Education, building the certificate programs, internships, and customizing training. And um, creativity to me, and the reason why I started UNITA, and where I got that name. Now, many folks may say, Johnny Unitas. I have some football <laughs> friends that said, Johnny Unitas, you named your company after Johnny Unitas. I said, no, 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 not Johnny Unitas, Unitas. And Unitas means oneness or unity. And especially in this day and age with, with all of the unrest going on in this world, I thought Unitas would be a perfect name for my company. So I started UNITAS International Education Consultants uh, in April 2021. And I've worked on and off for many, many years with very creative, innovative teachers in various fields, like teaching English, um, entrepreneurship, finance, accounting. Now, you may not think that accounting is that creative, but obviously it can be to some folks. And uh, so creativity and, uh, and pulling these amazing people together 
is is really what UMITAS is is about and how I can bring education, higher education more specifically to the world. Thank you for, for that explanation. And uh, I hadn't thought about Johnny Unitas until you brought that up. Clearly, it's not, not someone that I often think about, but uh, perhaps others had that thought as you as you brought it to our attention. But there's something else that you, you just said in the in that overview. And it triggered a thought in my mind uh, to take us back to the mid 50s when President Eisenhower put together a people to people initiative. And so that was international programs brought about in the mid 50s. And if I remember correctly, the purpose, his purpose was it was post Holocaust and it was causing us, and he thought that having a people-to-people -people type exchange would help fight the war against bigotry, hate, misunderstanding, and unnecessary conflict. Uh, sadly, I think I'm correct. I uh, Don't hold me to the year, but I believe the people-to-people -people initiative has ended in around 2018. So Kelly, the reason I say that it triggered that thought because we know right now we're we're in a societal situation where we're dealing with bigotry and hate and misunderstanding. Uh, what's very controversial with international education right now is the threat perhaps are those that are interested trustworthy or are they here to steal ideas, or are we going somewhere to adopt or adapt ideas? What are your thoughts on international education possibly being similar to Eisenhower's goal and mission? Well, there's no doubt that there's a concern with intellectual property, especially at university. Uh, most universities are very cautious and careful when they sign partnerships um, with other universities. There's a lot of vetting that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, there's risk management lawyers um, that look into these partnerships. But uh, one thing I do want to say, and, and I think that this really brings it home, um, international education is not just what we think of automatically, study abroad. Well, let's send my son or daughter abroad to, for a semester or a year. It's it's inbound students. There's researchers, teachers, faculty exchanges, staff exchanges. It's it's quite extensive international education when when we throw around that term so easily. It's it's quite uh, all encompassing. And uh, when I mentioned study abroad back in uh, the 1990s, 30 years ago, when you think about it, there were only 70 thousand U.S. students that studied abroad. Uh, today, right before the pandemic, there were about 347,000 students study abroad. Mm -hmm. Now in 2020, it went down to 162,000. But when you consider the fact that there's probably 19 million uh, college students, uh, 347,000, is a drop in a bucket. And vice versa, when we talk about international students inbound, there's also the concern that we're admitting many students, um, overseas students or um, out-of-state students because they pay a higher tuition fee. 
um, there's only 400,000, there were only 400,000 students um, that studied um, in the 1990s in the US. And today it's just a little over 1 million. So again, when you think about the millions of students to study abroad or inbound here in the US, it's very, very And uh, so I encourage study abroad or welcoming international students. It uh, changes the dynamic in the classroom, inside and outside of the classroom, let alone bringing um, thousands of dollars to the community, actually millions of dollars to the local economy. And you, you may not think about it in that sense, but when you do think about one student renting an apartment, living for a year or two years, um, and, and really integrating into the economy, that's quite a bit of revenue coming in to our uh, local economies. Interesting figures that you've shared with us. Uh, we we always play around with the titles of shows, and we added to this show cultural capital in the title, and uh, cultural capital I, was was chosen because takes us back to our our limited work, at least for me, limited work in sociology. But the cultural capital uh, takes looks towards the social assets within an individual and then promotes the social with those assets can work and be developed and enhanced that will promote the social mobility in some kind of stratified society so as you're talking about international students and if we think about third world countries if there is an opportunity and that's what the eisenhower people to people program did it was all encompassing not just and, and funded opportunities for people. How do you feel about cultural capital? Do you think international edge? Do you do you hold that international education can really enhance someone's cultural capital? Oh, most definitely. Um, when I, I'll give you an example. Uh, some of our certificate programs they were designed specifically for international audience. Uh, perhaps you and I would take a certificate program, not full time. It would take us maybe a year to complete, mm -hmm. but uh, we offer these programs in three months and up to 200 hours of classroom time. And so it's pretty intensive. And when you think about it, um, we are bringing in students from all over the world. So I may have a cohort of students of maybe 40. And there's 20 countries represented. Imagine it's it's truly the mini UN in the classroom because these students are learning in the United States in English, but with students from throughout the world. How better of an opportunity can you be exposed to so many different cultures from South America to Europe to Asia? Uh, Indonesia, Africa, North Africa. It's amazing what students learn. And it's uh, the very first days to see the students all very nervous and very, very quiet. You don't, you stare at somebody in the classroom, who is this person I'm going to be with for the next three months? But in, in a matter of weeks, they are the best of friends traveling all over the U.S. 
um, not just enjoying our time in, in our beautiful country, but really learning from one another and how similar that we are. And of course, I'll, I'll say this is, is a funny aside, but there are many students that have gotten married <laughs> out of our programs. And I think, oh my goodness, and I see them on Facebook now. Oh, you have children, you're living lives. It's amazing uh, what what our programs or, or what international education can, can actually do. For domestic students, I say welcome international students into the classroom because if you do not have an opportunity to study abroad, and there are so many that can't afford it. I believe that, that there's the facts are um, the predominantly um, study abroad is funded through families, your family, and working. So clearly there's there's many students that cannot afford to study. It's too expensive. It takes too much time to do it. So I say welcome international students into your classroom because right there and then, as I mentioned with, with our other international students learning from one another, you can gain so much in terms of cultural competency. Um, and and it, it goes beyond the funny things that we all laugh about that certain countries people don't come on time. Whereas other countries, people come exactly when class starts at two o'clock, they're there 10 minutes before uh, and they have a certain expectation. So those are the funny uh, things that we all laugh about. But uh, when you do talk about these things in a classroom and uh, it just brings about a much more openness, a better understanding. And so for international students, I say, welcome them into your classroom. Kelly, your passion comes comes across in the few minutes that we've been talking. And uh, I just address that or highlight that because passion is, is an important dimension of creativity, the creative process, especially if you're going to hopefully succeed in selling your pitch for your idea or the process that you want to bring forward. So, uh, with that being said, this idea of passion, clearly you must have had a passion to stick your neck out and take the risk of going on your own. Uh, did the pandemic contribute to that in some way? And also, I, perhaps I'm not the best risk taker if it involves a, a salary or survival. I don't know if I would have been on the edge there during a pandemic to, to step towards and move ahead, but you did. So talk a little bit about that. Well, talk um, about your stress, Kelly. Which <laughs> past two years, I've really um, thought about it. Nighttime, and I'm thinking, watching TV, thinking, how did I get here? And I'll go back to when I was a, a child, and my mom is a great cook, and uh, she had some great ideas. I'm going to make sushi, and I'm going to sell sushi. Well, we're talking back in the 1970s, and there was virtually, I would say, no such thing in California. People would look at it and go, you're eating raw fish? What is that? And now, look at the revolution in sushi. That's right. But it starts with your childhood and what you're brought up with. And I remember thinking, I'm a good cook. I want to own my own restaurant. And now, 
to be honest with you, I'll microwave anything and eat whatever's in front of me. It doesn't matter. But it, it got me to think, how did I start this? Well, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit and trying to think outside of the box. And in academia, there's so many times where we think only very rigid and inside the box. Researchers don't, really, because where you get great inventions, but in higher ed, there's, you're, you're bound by, by the degree programs or, and that's not, that's not me. And that's why I think I thrived in continuing education because I could pick up an idea and I created a certificate program in business continuity planning for local professionals, right when the pandemic hit. And I thought, I really need to help businesses. Um, or Unitas came because, to be honest with you, I had a really tough boss at one point, and I realized he didn't have a clear understanding of um, international education. And he came to me one day and he said, Kelly, you're a director today, but you'll be fine. You just need to create 10 international partnerships. In and I just held my breath and thought, international partnerships are not easy. How many 50,000, 60,000 universities and colleges are there in this world? And we all want something different. I don't think you understand that it takes relationship building, trust, understanding, flexibility. Um, and and flexibility in all forms. It's the education, what you can fit into this education, what they need. They may say that they want one thing, but really they can't afford it. The university, for example, may not be able to afford U.S. prices. And so you have to be flexible and, and come up with some solutions. And so being told to develop 10 partnerships it really spurred me to say, you know what? I'm willing to do this on my own. I've got some connections. I can help universities. It takes a long time and trust building. I can do that. And I can make it easier, more cost efficient or effective for the universities that I want to partner, partner with. In, in our conversation thus far, uh highlighted university made some references to universities but to me it would seem the most exciting part of your independence now is dealing with students from other countries that are adult students and also interested in, in being entrepreneurs themselves and learning as much as they can now you are respected in the community you mentioned the connections you have and you probably call upon those now that you're independently on your own. But what kinds of adult students does Unitas attract? Really good question. There's all forms. Um, I just completed an online program, the University of uh, in Columbia, engineering students, primarily master's degree students. And they are part of a leadership program in engineering management. And we created an online asynchronous and synchronous program uh, in innovative product development. 
And um, so we have master's degree students, but I'm also designing some programs for a California State University um, for local working professionals. What do they need? They need a career or they need a career boost. I'm taking a look at the industries up, up in Northern California and trying to figure out what can we design that can quickly meet their needs. So it, it really runs the gamut from international students to, to working professionals. What countries are most interested in pursuing international education with you right now? Oh gosh, Spain, uh, Brazil, Colombia, France. So, so quite a few. And and again, many of those are through my longtime affiliations at the at my former position. But again, I think that demonstrates the fact that international education is really about building relationships, building that cultural competency, so to speak, and understanding what what they really are seeking. Many times universities look and, and, and they look at me and they say, Kelly, we want universities on the West Coast in Canada. And I, I say, okay, but what are you really looking for? Degree programs? What kind? You want vet medicine? Well, there are some um, federal regulations and laws that we have to take a look at before we do something like that so it's very uh, diverse and uh, you have to wear many different hats and i'll say the word we hear it so many times but creative and innovative and and see how you can for me this is a big part of creativity is how can you solve someone else's problem you have a problem how can i help solve it Obviously, the international education programs are are expensive. Do do many of your 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 folks that are your clients do their companies pay for them, or are they bearing the burden themselves personally? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. I think both. It, um, it it really depends. So if I'm working with a group from Brazil that they are executive MBA students, many of them, their companies are sponsoring um, their education. But there's other students that are working in and paying for it, or the university, as part of their academic credit, will pay. So it, you do, are you doing much by, by Zoom at this time? Yes. And, and how do, I, does that help with the cost for, yes, for a client? Yes. Very much so. I'm very pleasantly surprised. Uh, I think what U.S. universities have to understand is that education for many countries, um, it's expensive. And so when you give them a price of whatever a program is going to cost, many times they'll be shocked. Can't do this. And so that's where the creativity and it, you step in and say, okay, here's what we can do. Can we somehow meet in the middle? And uh, whether it's, finan it's financial or length of time, let's figure out how we can meet in the middle and um, provide an educational opportunity. Um, the, the one thing that 
for me for all of these years and why I stayed in international education is really the joy that you see and the transformation that you see on your students' faces. The very shy lack of confidence student may at the very end, of, it could be a two-week in-person session here, they are completely transformed, much more confident, able to survive. And and I wish when I was younger, I was smart enough to study abroad, I was too scared. And now, so for me, it's it's that, I don't want to say motherly aspect of it, but it is nurturing and trying to push students. This is something you can do and you should do. In your there, There's a list of... It's it's easy to find a list of benefits of international education. No, so we we know and we probably would agree that international education transcends national borders very easily. And we have heard that one of the strongest instruments for reducing poverty can be international programming. And I suspect when you see that that statement, that probably implies that the skills and the knowledge base that is going to be gleaned from participating is going to make that student more mobile, have upward mobility when they return. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. The, the interesting fact is that 70% of um, study abroad students from the U.S. are white. Another 10% Hispanic, another 10% Asian, and probably about 5% African-American. And, and it goes on from there. And and you realize, again, when you start talking about they're doing it with their own finances or they're working, that means that those students that work and put themselves through college cannot or do not have the time or the money to study abroad. And so that is something that needs to change in this country where there's grants for support for students to study abroad. Again, I say welcome international students into your classroom, too, because there's history there. We all have history. And uh, and and when you understand where people are coming from, I think you have a much greater appreciation. But I truly believe that we're preparing students to be global citizens, but much more so able to function in this world. And when we talk about uh, so often the unrest and and the borders being closed, mm -hmm. I think that's not the answer is to mm -hmm. shut off everyone because we've all come. It doesn't matter if you are white on the outside. We've all come. We all come from different places. And so once you shut that down, you don't have the ability to learn from one another and, and to be better, a stronger nation in the end. Kelly, it seems like we've we've just begun to to touch and, and skim just off the top of international education. So there's so much more to be said, but we are at the end of our time. And I thank you very much for, for being with us today. Uh, your research and your curiosity and your passion comes across and uh, I hope we get to talk to you again and, and we wish you well. Thank so, you, Thank you. So with that, 
you have been watching The Creative Life on Think Tech Hawaii and plan to join us again in two weeks when we return with uh, some more stimulating, interesting topics in the area of creativity. And until then, aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.